Welcome to Timely Wisdom with Drs. Alice Bradford, Sarita Wright, Brenda Wallace, Carolyn Carlisle, and I am Venice D. Burns. You can watch us live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Central Standard Time. Follow us on Facebook. Subscribe on YouTube. Our guest today is Dr. Teresa Fry Brown, Authentic Preaching. This was recorded on July 7th. 2020. I'm sure I guess with the audience on today. I'm delighted to do so. This powerfully gifted woman of God is the Bandy Professor of Preaching at Candler School of Theology at Emory University in Atlanta, Georgia. She is the first Black and the first woman to hold what many consider the most prestigious preaching professorate in America. She is the first tenured black female professor at Candler and the third black female to attain the rank of full professor at Emory. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) She is the historiographer, the executive director of the Department of Research and Scholarship in the African Methodist Episcopal Church. She is homiletics, womanism, womanist ethics, and sociocultural transformation par excellence. She's a prolific writer. One of her books is Can a Sister Get a Little Help? <laughs> Advice and Encouragement for Black Women in Ministry. Wow. One of one of my favorite sermons from her um, repertoire is Time to Leave Loderbar. Second mm, mm, mm. Samuel. Yeah, Second Samuel 9, 1 through 5. I, I, I could probably preach it verbatim, but oh, since this is um, authentic preaching, I won't do that. Um, she broadens my intellectual being and she makes sure at the end of every conversation that I'm equipped to move toward greatness she's my big sister a mentor a confidant my sorority sister and my friend I'm so proud to bring to our timely wisdom conversation the Reverend Dr. Teresa um Welcome, welcome. Thank you. So glad to have you today. In Black Church Parlance, parlance, I probably shouldn't say anything now because the introduction said too much, right? Uh, And so uh, I appreciate uh, this invitation and this opportunity to share out of my heart about preaching because it's very important to me. So Dr. Burns and Dr. Wright and Dr. Bradford, thank you for the invitation. Uh, I've already said to Dr. Bradford, I, I can talk forever, but I'll talk for a little bit and then questions keep me moving. <laughs> and so you asked me to talk about authentic preaching. And so I, I went back to people that know me know I love language. So that definition of authentic means that someone is real, that is genuine, that is original, it's not imitated, it's not pretentious that one becomes true to one's own personality and spirit and character. And and if we're going to do this thing that Gardner Taylor talks about, uh, seeking to find God's movement in the world and, and to cry out passionately about what God is saying for us to, to talk about, then we have to understand that God didn't make us clones. Okay. I think that that's the beginning of us talking about authentic preaching is okay. trying to understand who in the world am I? Okay. Who am I? Who did God... God knew who God was calling when God called me. So 
why am I sometimes um, tempted to try to be somebody else? Mm-hmm. Um, mm. Why is it that sometimes when I'm supposed to be te- preaching the un- uh, uh, let's see the unadulterated gospel that I'm lying in my per- in my presentation? Wow. Mm. Wow. That my voice is not the voice that structurally my vocal folds have. I've been listening oh. to someone else so long that I'm trying to sound like someone else because they get more web hits than I do. Wow. It, it That's means, powerful. Uh, God gives me a special style like I use my hands, but somebody else pounds. And so I see people saying amen to them. So I start pounding and that's not who I am. (laughs) I am pimping my voice because the more I try to be someone else, the less I have in my own voice. And it's knowing my theology. It's knowing who God is today. It's knowing what God has done for me and not trying to to give somebody else's testimony while I'm up preaching. As we go along, not making up as we go along or because someone applauded somebody else's testimony, somebody dressed like someone else. And I think that if I do that, then maybe I can get a bigger honorarium. Maybe mm-hmm. I get a better platform. Well, maybe I'm lazy and I don't want to take the time to write a sermon. So I'll just pull one off the internet as if God didn't, mm-hmm. didn't visit me, which mm-hmm. means that we are spitting in God's faith. Because we're not living in the call God has placed on our lives mm. in the first place. Yeah. Okay. As busy as we get, we still need to have time for God to speak through us for the people. Some people are taken away from this authenticity because they go for the honorarium. They go for the honor of preaching. Mm. And so they don't go to places unless they get a certain number of dollars or it's a certain person's church when we have to consider, was our call to go to all the nations and preach God's word, or are we supposed to be prostituting ourselves for a buck? And the Bible goes on the back shelf. And so then we have to think through, um, all of us have our idiosyncrasies, we all have our own sound, but why would God call us to try to be someone else? Wow. God made us individually with all of our idiosyncrasies and all of our mannerisms and all of our, the way that we carry ourselves. Why would God want us to play dress up like petulant children? So there's a book called six deadly sins of preaching that I use in my intro class. And it starts talking about the sin of inauthenticity. And it says that that includes what I call spiritual plagiarism where we present someone else's ideas as our own. It, it, means, it means that um, we fall into this habit. I, I used to direct choirs and, and it unnerves me when people start before you even open your mouth. We preempt the spirit. We preempt the spirit. We become functional atheists instead of working where God has us. That's the inauthentic nature that sometimes we see. Corrupting. Oh my goodness. And and so there can be no excellence in in preaching if we haven't struggled with the text for ourselves. We haven't gotten down in the text and moved around until we are wounded ourselves because God has to clear the pus away from us before God's work can help heal somebody else. It it, it means that we haven't thought about, am I angry at God today? Am I angry at the people today? So let me just get up here and do a nice touchy feely sermon and forget that I'm a human being. Wow. 
Uh, do I want the appointment so much that I won't even say what God tells me to say because I'm afraid I will lose my livelihood and we forget we will lose our souls. Exactly. What God has impregnated us with. Oh. <laughs> if we believe that holy speech is what comes out of our mouths, how are we being genuine? Wow. What, what, one of the things I ask people to do before they go to a biblical text is exegete themselves. <laughs> Who am I? Do I love God today? Do I love the people enough to want them to live? It's become functional. Sunday's coming. I got to preach a word. And so even now during COVID, when I'm watching people who are now even competing for what people's backgrounds look like. And, and and who's going to sing? And 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 if you didn't have content before COVID, you sure is you sure don't have content now. And 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 so if you didn't love preaching before, faking it before a camera is not going to get you anywhere. It's and so it's 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 what is this divine activity and what do I think about why God called me? What is God, if, if Jeremiah talks about I'm afraid and God says, don't be afraid of the people, I'm going to put the word in you, I'm going to put it in your mouth. When do we stop trusting God to give us what to preach? Mm-hmm. When do we stop trusting the call God mm-hmm. has on our lives mm-hmm. that we are more afraid of the competition mm-hmm. than Christian witness? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, uh, where is our integrity with the text? Wonderful. We're inauthentic if we're reading the word of God and God has given us one thing to say, but we're afraid somebody's going to be upset if we say it. They want to invite me back. Mm. So then it becomes who who called Mm. you in the first place? Not who ordained Mm. you, but who called you in the first place to preach. Who called you? And maybe we could visit that every now and then because sometimes we think the denomination called us. The devil is alive. Sometimes we think our best friend called us. Sometimes we think our lover called us. Sometimes uh, uh, a big name called us. No. When you were struggling with what this thing was, God is the one that called you. So sometimes we divorce God and think our preaching is going to be good. Nah. Sometimes we look at everybody else on the platform and forget that God gifted us to be who we are when we should. Because someplace there's a sheep that needs to hear the word God put in you Mm. instead of what God put in someone else. So all these preaching competitions and Mm. who has the biggest this and measuring contests and all this other stuff is going to kill us. And I often think, why would you work so hard in ministry and stand before God and God says to you, you never preached. My God, you pretended. You faked it until you got your check, but you never preached what I told you to preach. I told you to preach. It it says that the days are coming when people will not put up with sound doctrine but tinkling of their ears. And and there are a whole lot of people that have nice little sounds in their ear, but they have no God in them. And the biblical text says you're a watch person. It's your job to warn the people. And if you warn the people and they don't pay attention, that's on them. But if you don't warn them and something happens to them, that's on you. That's right. That's right. So when you're called to preach, are you willing to die? Oh, because you forgot to do what God told you to do. Oh, 
You can have all kind of people sending you all kind of amens and nice little comments in the chat. And God's sitting there going, that's not what I told you to say, Teresa Lynn. Uh That's not what we agreed on. You said you would go where I send you. You said you would say what I said. And now you're doing a, a Bonhoeffer and some other people I talk about cheap grace. But I want to talk about a worthless grace. Ooh. Wow. That is so predicated on how many people are going to say amen that we miss God's word. That is so predicated on what our resume looks like that we forget who owns the resume. Jesus. Authenticity. <laughs> Part of authenticity is also a, a, a humility. Right. Yes, yes. Humility. That's good. Humility. Um, people who know me know I have issues with armor bearers because in the biblical text, the armor bearer was somebody who's going to die for you, not somebody's going to schlep your Bible and your stuff. You're going to help somebody today. And, and, and not somebody that keeps somebody coming next to you because if the woman with the issue of blood had had armor bearers, she'd still be. Oh, my God. Come on. Come and, on. And so, why are we saying something so deep that somebody wants to come for us? the answer is no so we get tied up in the trappings of ministry and not the task of preaching we we, we get the it's kind of like when you're going to have a party and you spend all the time on the food and what you're going to wear and who's going to be there and then you get there and nothing happens and you wonder why you spent your money how many people stay away from church because of inauthentic preaching Oh, oh, oh. Ooh. Ooh. How, how many people uh, practice their hope before they know what the hope is? Jesus. You, you, you know, how, how, how many people. Uh, you helping somebody today. Passionate and honest with God. Hmm. H- how many preachers authentically understand that all have sinned and yeah. come short of the glory of God? Are we so busy bar- building barriers to keep somebody out as if our stuff is so clean mm-hmm. we can go in all the time? Mm-hmm. Oh, oh. Oh. You know, authenticity is what you told me to talk about. Oh, you, you have- I think you're doing just fine. <laughs> Stay right there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> authenticity means that we remember that the call to articulate God's word is not a career, but a call. Yeah. 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 That, that, that it's hard to do this preaching. Yeah. But some of us think it's very easy because if we are serious about what we're doing authentically, then God strips us bare of our stuff before God puts us before the people. Right. Mm. So preaching is also painful if you're paying attention to it. Yeah. Because God's got to get you straight before God. Why would God put God's word in trash? Why would God put God's word in an empty vacuum? Why would God assign someone that hates God to say a word that, that only wants to abuse the people? Why? Would you serve a God? That's the theological insight oh, before oh, you get before oh. God. Why would you serve a God to send you into battle to kill the sheep? My God. And not point them toward the water. Oh, my God. Ooh. Lord have mercy. 
So to be authentic, one has to empty oneself of all the stuff that stinks up the sanctuary. Come on. That, that one has to understand that we are not perfect, but some of us preach down to the people as mm. if we stand on Mount Hora with the, mm. with the commandments in our hands. Just mm. because we know we violated all of them. Mm. Wow. Who gave us the right to preach a word to tell someone they are not of God? Oh. When someplace in the text it says, all have sinned. And That's come right. short. Sure. Mm. Right. Now, yes, or somebody asked me, yeah, there are all these, but there are 600 and some odd prescriptions about how we're supposed to live. Mm. But I don't know how we keep picking one or two and decide everybody else is going to hell but us. <laughs> so, you know, part of authenticity is fidelity. Yeah. Part of authenticity is non-malfeasance. Part of it is 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 beneficent. So we're, we're, we're preaching a kind word to people. Part of it is veracity. They're too many lying preachers. Yes. They, they, they read something on the way to church and decided that was gospel, but didn't, uh, didn't research it. Oh. They, they heard somebody else preach it and then brought it to their people, but they didn't understand it was a different table right there. Oh my. That's authentic. If you're taking somebody else's meal that was prepared for somebody else's diet and try to serve it where you are. That's and then have the temerity to threaten people if they don't say amen. Mm, gee. Wow. So anyway, <laughs> we're gonna be authentic. <laughs> we've got to be authentic. We have to decide who we are. Right. We we have to decide who God called us to be. Yeah. Right. We have to decide to stop. Applying on so much makeup that you can't recognize yourself in the mirror. Oh, 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 we have to decide that our robes are not going to cover our sins. Uh-huh. We have to decide that everything we do preaches. Right. You cannot cuss people out in your office and get in the pulpit and talk about the love of Jesus. You, you cannot sleep with everybody in the church and preach a sermon about fidelity. You you cannot sneak around on Saturday night and think nobody's seeing your stuff and get up as if you walk above the water on Sunday morning. That's not authenticity. That's not authenticity. Help somebody today. Who you are and recognize, I'm going back to the text, I'm going back to all have sinned, including the preacher. Including the preacher. Mm. If we're going to be authentic, you cannot have conversations in the pulpit about the people in the sanctuary and then get up and try to preach like you better than them. You can't pick out who you want to go to dinner with after church in the pulpit or sit on Facebook and look at everybody's profile and get up and act like you're connected to God. That doesn't work. Authentic preaching means that there's no pretense. It, it, it means that we have we have exegeted ourselves. It means that we know the people with whom we are preached, that we love the people enough to be pastoral, that we understand that we all make mistakes, that sometimes we don't feel like preaching. There are some Sundays that you don't feel like preaching. So you get up and fuss at people. Oh, that you have not refiltered for the people standing. And so some Sundays, maybe that's the Sunday you just need to pray all the time. 
What you say? Because what you're doing is you're souring the word of God before the people because you mad. Because you because you didn't get the appointment you wanted, because you don't have money to feed your kids after school. That's not authentic preaching. Right. Because the sum total of what we're supposed to do is share a living word of God a living. so that somebody's life may be better. Yeah. And we're not supposed to, in our preaching, give everybody pat little answers, but point them toward what the answer is. Yes, ma'am. Right. It, 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 it's kind of like when I teach on prophetic preaching and everybody wants to be a prophet, but they forget the prophets get killed. Uh oh. <laughs> you know, they don't get rich. They, in the biblical text, they die in the biblical text. But if you Come preach on. in the text, then you go ahead and do what you're doing. Listen the here. Text, all the good, all the prophets die. Yeah. Some, right. <laughs> and so, and the prophets have a hard life. They're not walking around in the lap of luxury. The prophets live with the people. They don't drive in past the people. The prophets Come live with the people in the biblical text. That's right. And so, and so a prophet affirms what God has already told you. Yeah, okay? yeah. So they don't have to pay you for what God has already told you. And, and so we have to know what God has made us, what, what God is telling us to do, what, and, and, and know that sometimes we need some help. Mm. Authentic preachers uh-huh. know that they don't do it by themselves. Right. So an authentic preacher says to someone they trust and make sure somebody you trust, because some people want to see you fall and fail. Mm-hmm. An authentic preacher goes on their knees and says, God, I need your help right now. Yes. Tell me who to call to help me bounce some stuff off of so I will be able to go a little bit further. Yes, ma'am. Right. Authentic preachers don't bleed all over the congregation because they want something. Yeah, yeah. Come on, tell the truth. <laughs> Authentic preachers do not try to guilt the congregation into loving them. Yeah. It says we are to rightly divide the word of truth. Rightly. Not make it our propaganda so yeah. we can keep our jobs. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I've said yeah. enough. Oh. <laughs> no, 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 no. I can. <laughs> um, yeah. It, it, it's if we're going to be authentic, if we're going to be real. If we're going to be genuine in what we're doing, mm. know why you went into this ministry thing. Oh, wow. Revisit it. Understand who called you in the first place. Mm. Stop trying to be the brand new name on the scene. Jesus. My God. Put yourself someplace with a book. Yeah. Stop copying. Don't listen. Listen to other preachers to admire that God has a multitude of voices, but don't listen to other preachers to copy what they're doing because that's, that's not right. who you are. That's right. Yeah. I personally don't want to go to hell for somebody else's sins. I got enough stuff on my own. Come on. <laughs> wow. But I'm not going to bring all your stuff with me. Yes, we listen to other preachers and we like something in it, but that's their thing. Yeah. I get amused when, when, when I see somebody has a certain tagline, then somebody else uses it, and then there's a lawsuit over it. Well, God gave you an imagination. If you'd open a book every now and then or listen to somebody other than yourself, then maybe God can stimulate something in you that then you can be authentic. Right. <laughs> I mean, when we when we cook, we don't follow a recipe right down to you have to, you have to season that stuff so it fits your taste buds. Yeah. Right? And and so 
when you are putting together a sermon, that's you and God working that thing out. You don't yeah. need a thousand other people in the way they did the sermon because God gave it to you so you could preach it the way God has given you to give it to the people yeah. at a particular yeah. time on that particular day. And it may not come up again, but if we're authentic, yeah. God will even change the sermon you preach 15 times. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Because every right. time you get up to preach, you're a different person. Yeah. Every time you see your congregation, that's a different congregation because life has happened. Yes. My God. Yes. Oh. Mm. 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 Wow. Put wow. your own work in and stop borrowing somebody else's. Oh, wait. Do your own. Do your that's own. Powerful. Your own sweat, your own uncertainties, your own take on the text. Yeah. I, I, I write commentaries. I tell my students all the time, I write commentaries, but I'm writing a commentary of what I'm seeing in the text when I'm in my office on a particular day. So don't pick up a commentary and preach the commentary straight because that's not your folks. Yeah. That's who God visited right then. That's a con that's a conversation person, but that's not what you're supposed to preach. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. A commentary yeah. is an assessment of a comment on something. So don't take it for face value because it may not be what your people need. Yeah, right. That's good. If you say that yeah. you're connected to God, then what commentary is God giving you right now? Yeah. Yeah. Given your life, given yeah. who you are, given your age, given your education, given your yeah. family structure, been what you've been through. Oh. All of that's commentary. Mm. One it's of the like feeling these tired old uh, 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 <laughs> old books. Uh, of wisdom uh, manuscripts manuscripts and illustrations uh, oh okay that played out a long time ago if you don't know what the word means in an illustration don't use the illustration <laughs> oh my <laughs> one of the comments that just came Somebody up on the, the story. You people may not know the story because you went and saw the movie doesn't mean everybody else saw the movie right right like, right Make sure that you're contextual. You are placed at a particular church with a particular people. Even when I'm visiting, I try to find out things about the church. Right. Oh, That's right. But it's not a one size fits all model for preaching or preaching. Absolutely. You're going to be authentic. Know who you're preaching with, not at, ah. not around, not over. Nobody cares about your degrees. They care about how close you are to Jesus. They, you know, you work your you work yourself. <laughs> Hard for you to grow. <laughs> 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 one of the my great grandchildren will pay off my bills for my PhD. Come on. Oh. But at the end of the day, that taught me how to look at different things and broaden my perspective and my knowledge. Hallelujah. But I can't get to heaven on that. Oh. I get to heaven on my on my fidelity to God and the veracity of how I treat God's word and how I'm present with God's people. And so we have to stop all of this facade. Ooh. You know, if you, I happen to be in a denomination that has a lot of conferences. God knows we have a lot of conferences. <laughs> God knows we have. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Angels don't have as many conferences as we have. <laughs> but watching people change from the hallway to the to the worship space and then back out again. Oh. And you wonder sometimes which person's gonna show up to preach today. Oh my. Mm -hmm. My People God. Know that you're genuine 
not just in the pulpit, but in your life. So you can't cuss out all creation and get up and say, Jesus, keep me. No. (laughs) Our mouths. I I think that's why in Isaiah, there's the piece about the the hot coal. Uh, Okay. Isaiah. You can do a three-second prayer to cleanse your mouth before the word comes out. Yeah, yeah. You got to live through some stuff. Yeah. You got to ask wow. God in your prayer time before you get up to preach. God, cleanse me of all this junk that you know I've got. Yeah. You know? Because eventually people will see the real you. Right. Yes. And you'll be all confused when they stop saying amen and following you because they found out who you really were. <laughs> Yes, ma'am. You cannot be, uh, excuse me, mental health thing. You can't be one personality there and another personality here and another personality somewhere else because it means that you're play acting most of your life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Plays close. Ask mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Plays mm-hmm. close. They have a limited mm-hmm. run. Mm-hmm. Wait, wait. It doesn't wait. matter who's starring in them. If the oh. people who come, the plays fold. Oh, my God. And so if all we're doing is playing dress up, there's no authenticity in us. Oh, that's good, doctor. And people don't trust you if they don't know who you are. Oh, that's right? good. If they don't know what face is going to show up when you show up. They're not going to trust you. Yes, ma'am. They'll do a perfunctory amen, but they're not going to trust you. Wow. And that's why most of our people listen to 15 people before they get to church to hear you. Yeah, yeah. My God. My God. Okay, so I think I'm really finished now. I've, I've talked for my half an hour, so you can ask me questions. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. <laughs> no. One of the uh, statements that someone, one of the viewers made was that uh, you have to become a different person. And I, I think what you, what you said is so valuable in talking about the authenticity of the text because Nobody can tell your story like you can tell your story. And when God downloads into you and gives you a word, that's that's a word for you to present. And it's it's I I don't know that it'll be passed on. Well, if he's given it to you, it's time for you to birth that thing and bring that thing forward. And so uh, it's it's really powerful. Just be what you see is what you get. That's what you get. It's it's it's. Like I love music and you can, I can tell when I'm listening to someone, if this is their take on the song or if they're imitating someone else. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Right. And so people, and we have to give people credit for having a, a, cer- a discerning ear because mm-hmm. the spirit doesn't just rest on the preacher. Oh, and so sometimes if you watch people, you can tell if this is a sermon God has given them or something they borrowed from someplace else. Watch the language in the text. You can tell by the change in language when it's theirs or somebody else's. Yeah. The way we use hyperbole sometimes just to just to reel people in. And people will invent, they will Google your behind while you're in the pulpit. <laughs> wow. Somebody else's story. And they're wow. up there check, they're fact checking you while you are preaching. So why do you want to put them to the trouble of fact checking when you could just be real? Do it right the first time. When they know it's your they know if it's your story. And and if you don't cite somebody. Uh, people that take somebody's sermon and preach it the whole thing without any citation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Like somebody's not going to know that's not yours. Yeah. The way you talk all the time. It's not the language level you use. You have never preached that text in your life and you're mispronouncing every word that's in there because you were too lazy to practice before you got in the pulpit. And so people begin to know these kinds of things you see. Help somebody today. And and so people also know when you have lived in the text. Not just the story, but the text. Yeah, some people that 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 void the contract when they start preaching, awesome. they will say today we're going to preach on this and they never go to the text. They give you every cliche in the human language. Wow. <laughs> they give you every hoopology, little rhetorical device that they're in, and they never touch the text. And if you wow. don't use the text, you're not preaching. You're doing public speaking with a fruit. Yeah. yeah. Glory. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Dr. Bradford, I see that we have a question. Um, Reverend Dr. Jamel Kemp, she says, what consequence or situation at and at what age did she decide to become authentic in her preaching? This is real. No, this is real good. I think she's actually quoting you. Quoting me? Yeah. Uh, I was raised to be myself, which means that you don't get a lot of calls, which means that if I'm preaching as Teresa, that doesn't mean I'm going to get all on all the platforms other people on, but I promised God I would go because all ground is holy ground. Yeah. And so from the beginning, I had to preach the style I was preaching. I was the only woman in in my church at that time, in my in the only the second woman in my conference ever to be ordained in Colorado. And so, what the reason that I wanted to preach as Teresa is because I didn't want to look in a mirror and lie to God. And so the consequence is you will not get invitations if you preach who you you are. If you don't dress a certain way, people are not going to invite you to little women's conferences all over the place where they invite the same people over and over again. Mm -hmm. You're not going to get a big honorarium because you're not sleeping with everybody because somebody else told them that's the way to get in the world. Because you're not seen with Dr. So-and-so. Well, you have somebody to say. You know, and so your choice is to do your call. God did not call me to sleep around. God did not call me to dress like everybody else because I never liked that in the first place, not even color combinations. God did not call me to have extra long flowing hair. I had it at one time. It left. I got this. Is what you see is what you get. <laughs> and it was all mine then and everything on me is all mine. And um, and so I think it was because my upbringing is was to be proud of who God made you. So I, I don't remember a time in ministry that I tried to be somebody else because it gags me to think of people trying to be somebody. And so I say to my students, why would somebody get a knockoff when they could get the original? Come on. So, you know, why go to a flea market to pick up something when you can save for the best? And so my goal is to be the best and never a knockoff of anybody. Jesus. So the consequence as the question was, the consequence is, uh, very select invitations. The consequence is saying she's not black enough because she don't hoop and slay the people, but y'all know how I feel about violent language and preaching anyway. Yeah. Um, she doesn't hang out with the right people. She doesn't, she has that white sounding. I don't know why they say white sounding. White people didn't make me sound like this. I read, you know, my family talked like this. Um, 
the critique of she's not married. I'm a widow now, but you know, she's not married. So she must be sleeping around just because you are doesn't mean I'm doing the same thing. Mm, right. And so the consequence is you become ostracized, but as long as God lets me in, cause I think the word says that the keys of the kingdom are in God's hands mm-hmm. and not somebody who has a shelf life. Jesus. You mm-hmm. said, did she say shelf life? <laughs> Dr. Brown, one of the questions that came up is, is was asking, how do you handle the male pastors that still refer to you or refer to you as Reverend Sister? Uh, that would be a step up in many places. That'd be a big step up. Uh, it depends on where you are in my preaching career. Early on, it ticked me to no end. And I would say, my name is Teresa, or they were, or people would just call me by my first name. Then it was sister after I was ordained. And these are even people in my own denomination. Then when I got my, my, my PhD, there were people that would call me Dr. Fry Brown, but not Reverend Fry Brown because they couldn't take the Reverend part. And so I used to argue about it, but now I set because there are people who have not driven past a school that call themselves doctor. But I know that I did the work. And so there's no sense in me arguing about something that little minds cannot perceive. Uh-huh. And so now when people do it, you know, as long as they don't call me something out of my name, uh-huh. I'm not going to waste my time arguing with you what you call me. Because the African proverb says it's not what they call you, but what you answer to. Hey. Uh-huh. That's, that's, that's in the culture. Mm-hmm. And so if you think you're hurting what I'm doing by calling me a different name, why would I waste my breath on you? Because you don't have enough neurons to even conceive what's before you. Wow. Oh, have mercy. Little minds can't perceive it. Um, I, I have a question, though. Um, I have heard you preach um, time to leave Lodabar maybe three or four times. And every time it has been different. Um, it resonates because we become so stuck in a particular space. And when I hear you preach this sermon, you pull us all out of it and tell us not to go back. Yeah. Can you expound on this just a little bit? Um, part, part of what my part, what I know my call is, is, um, liberation of all people, the womanist tenant. And that includes myself. The texts that we preach have been preached for millennia. Uh, So when the text says there's nothing new under the sun, there's not. But I always have to preach contextually. Hmm. So I always have to try to, I ask God to show me what the people need with whom I'm preaching. And so when I go back to a text, because I record where all my texts are and everything else, I try to refilter it, even if it's between a 745 service and 11, 11 o'clock service, because there are different people there. Right. And so my, my, I ask people what their preaching passion is. What is it that shows up in your sermon, no matter what the text is, no matter what, no matter what the occasion is, there's mm. something that God has put in your spirit that's going to come out. And mine happens to be liberation. And it's liberation of all people to break the chains. It's 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 uh, even when I'm critiqued because I'm too liberal. 
I would rather do what God's telling me to do than be in some little tiny box with somebody else that's afraid of their own shadow. So we want people to be liberated. And that's what, so when I preach Lodabar, there are different ways that you stay in something you're not supposed to be in. Yes. The difference, their marriages, their relationships, their education, their denominations, for God's sake, their personal kind of demons. And so even though the text is talking about uh, a movement out of this desolate place into the king's palace, we all are constantly entering into desolate places and it's calling us mm-hmm. to be able to be free. First, we have to recognize who we are. That's mm. authenticity. Authenticity. He was a king's son living below who he was. Ooh, right. Authenticity. So once he came to himself, like in the New Testament, yes. the Old Testament, right? Once Mephibosheth came to himself, then he could recognize that it was okay for him to go to where God wanted to be in the first place. Mm. So wherever your Lodabar is, whatever your your desolate place that you're running away from people that don't like you anyway, yeah. and you're <laughs> shadows that are there wherever you are, or you're pretending to be somebody you're not, you're in Lodabar. Come on. Because you're living below who God made you because of your gender, because of your denomination, because of your age, because of your income. And so when I preach Lodabar, I think about people that keep themselves imprisoned or willfully go into a prison of a relationship or a church or whatever because they're not listening to who God has made them, which means you're inauthentic. Yeah. 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 And selfish. And yeah. selfish. It's called yeah. sanctified selfishness. <laughs> yeah. and so that's what I call it. And sanctified so, so, so Mephibosheth had to understand in order for him to be authentically who God made him, mm-hmm. even though the king sent a messenger saying it's time to come, he didn't go for five years. Yeah, yeah. Five he, didn't, he didn't go immediately. He was five, he had a five year old by the time he showed up at David's place. So he's listening to all the all the lies. He's listening to all the rumors, all the people that wanted to kill him. He's listening to what they thought about his daddy because they misconstrued, misconstrued the text and thought that they were going to call David and Jonathan gay. And they didn't understand that men can be in love. And we got to make them all kind of other kind of lies just because it makes us feel better. And so when he understood the fullness of who God is, then he could move out. And that's what we have to do in preaching. Come on here. You understand the fullness of who God has made you. You don't have to imitate nobody else. Absolutely. You don't have to get permission. You don't have to go to somebody. Well, may I preach this today? Did God tell you to preach it? Mm. You know, you don't have to have a you don't have to have a committee get together to tell you what to preach. Uh If God called Uh you, God will put in you what you're supposed Uh to preach. Your job Uh is to preach it. And then God will stand with you when the people come at you. Wow. Letters and text messages and 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 all these other things because you preach something that hurt somebody's feeling. Well, the reason we're in trouble now is because people didn't listen. Glory. Ooh, that be locked into where we are because of selfish people <laughs> who won't listen to reason. My God. My they have God. a form of godliness, but they want to blame other people because they didn't wash their hands before the virus came. Ooh. Ooh. Oh. My God. Lord, okay. Oof, we 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 got another question here. Okay, um, it says, "How does one deal with having a call and spiritual burden to preach, but professionally you are not a pastor, so you're having to wrestle against being authentic in the spiritual gift of preaching and teaching, but battling jealousness and competition with both men and women 
who have professionally pastored. You, you just read my entire life. Huh. Um, uh, my call, as I've written about, was not to pastor. God specifically told me on an airplane going back to Denver after placing my mother in a nursing care facility with Alzheimer's at age 51. Oh. My job was to teach, preach, and write wow. in that order. So I go through the board of examiners and they said, no, you have to say that you're going to pastor. I said, I'm not going to lie. God did not tell me that. There are consequences for saying what God told you to do. Right. Come on. The right. consequences, people are going to try to slow you down. They're going to talk about you. They're going to say you're not called. But there are too many people that are pastoring now that God didn't call to pastor. But a system that you're supposed to pastor. Let's be clear. And so <laughs> I would rather face people talking about me than to face God saying, Teresa Lynn, I told you to teach, preach, and write. Mm. People are going to talk about you no matter what you do. That's right. No matter what you do. But my best friend who died in March used to say, if they don't sign your check or snore in your face, they have nothing to say to you. (laughs) These people cannot save you. That's right. So your call is is individual. It is a firm in a community but it's not decided in a community. Yeah. Oh, that's good. That's See, good. The call is between you and God. It's an individual kind of wrestling. The community is going to put a community, are going to put a committee together to tell you whether or not you heard from God. That's yeah. what Yes. Yes, ma'am. All right. Yes, ma'am. You know you heard from God. Why are you going to let somebody else tell you? That's not what God said to you because my book said that the only call God has on your life is to pastor that's why our churches are emptying out because people didn't listen to God. They listened to a committee. Oh, oh my, gosh. my gosh. Or grandma. Ooh, help us today, doctor. Grandma said they had to look. Now, oh, the, or the head. Sometimes, and sometimes grandma said you had to preach because grandma had a call on her life, but nobody would listen to her. That's right. That's right. right. And then we have another crew who thinks that preaching and pastoring is about power. Not work. Jesus. Yeah. They also look at a handful of people that make a certain income and they think it's about money and not work. Yeah. Yeah. That's not authentic. All right. You might as well be a politician and be in the White House right now. But, you know, it's that kind of thing that (laughs) we're going to be authentic. We have to listen to God. Yes. People are going to come at you. You're going to struggle. There are going to be consequences for you trying to do what God says. And, 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 And the cognitive dissonance is. People of faith say, we're going to listen to what God says, except you. Mm. We're going to listen to God, what God says, except this law that was made in the 1800s. It means absolutely nothing in 2020 is still standing. We're going to, but, but we believe in God. <laughs> we trust God of yesterday, today, and tomorrow, except when I don't like it. Oh, except when it's going to cost me my position, except when it's going to cost me some coins, except. Mm. So exceptionality binds a lot of people. I think our churches would be healthier if we could live in the authenticity of our call, whether it's to pastor or preach or teach or run a daycare or do pastor counseling yeah. or, or whatever. Yeah. But we have tied our tied God's hands around language mm. and that inauthenticates our faith. Yeah. Oh, we. Wow. Now, this is authentic. You have blessed us today. Do you hear me? Thank I you. mean, blessed us today. And you can tell by all the comments that are coming through. Um, 
many, many people are wanting to know how, when you sit down, when the Lord shares with you what God wants you to preach, how do you prepare before you stand at the at the podium or the holy desk? Um, people that have been my students understand I say this, every second of my life prepares me for the next sermon. Hallelujah. I don't think you go in, I don't go in cold and say, now it's time to preach. Yeah. I'm 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 observing life, I'm observing myself, I'm watching movies, I'm reading books, I'm walking through different texts, I'm having conversations. And so I'm always writing a sermon, whether I have an opportunity to preach or not. I'm always writing a sermon. And then I have books that have notes in them. I had seven the other day. I started compiling. I write wherever I am. I get up in the middle of the night, write something down. I speak into my phone. I'll call somebody. I said, you know, how does this sound right now? And I don't know when I'm going to use it, but that's what it's going to be. Now, once it's time for me to write a sermon, I have all these ideas floating. And so I start reading. Uh, I write down the skeleton of what I'm supposed to do. I'm thinking I'm going to do. I do a lot of word search because I love language. Uh, after I have all this stuff together, then I'll consult a commentary, but I don't ever read the commentary first. I read the commentary after everything else is together. Mm-hmm. Then I sit down and I do notes and then I start writing. I don't write the sermon usually uh, until three to five o'clock in the morning, the day I'm supposed to preach because it hasn't congealed, but that's not the end of the sermon because for me, a sermon never ends. And so I also put in there an idea about who I'm preaching with because I don't, as I said before, I don't want to serve the food to the wrong table. And and so I have to think about who that is. I have to think about my energy. I have to think about uh, what's going on in the world. I have to think about what happens the morning I'm supposed to preach. Because if we're blind to what's happening outside, the people are thinking about that and not about what you're talking about. Right. And so that's my whole, I, I think there's a book called Birthing the Sermon. I go through uh, what my creative process is. Sometimes I use music because I used to sing and, and direct choirs. And sometimes I dance. And sometimes I just go watch some ratchet movie. <laughs> just something that has nothing to do with what I'm going to do. Yeah. Sometimes I go to the grocery store, but all of life has to come into the sermon, which gets back to what you said earlier, Dr. Bradford, is uh, I want to be able to connect with all of the, Olin Lloyd said we have to reach each ache. And so I, I'm a multi-sensory preacher. Yes. And so I have to taste the sermon and see the sermon and oh, touch oh. the sermon and hear the sermon and smell the sermon in oh, order for me to know what that word is supposed to do and think about how the word lived when it was written and what it was written about so historically, but how is it? How what what are the legs on that text now? And wow. what is that? So 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 that's the kind of thing. Uh, what is this? One of the problems I noticed that many churches they're not ready. For. Um, yes, <laughs> I think that I think that people weren't ready for Jesus either. But so <laughs> one of the things you have to know is that prophets get killed. I'm going to say that again. Not everybody's going to like what you say authentically, and so you have to decide. Who can put you in hell or heaven? That's right. And my thing is, you only have to invite me once. So you don't have to like what I said, but I'm not going to go home with God saying, I told you, Teresa Lynn. You don't ever have to invite my black woman back again. You understand? You don't have to to bring me back. But when I'm there, I'm going to do the job that God has appointed me to do. And if you don't like the job, don't call me again. Because I will sleep well at night because it would be well with my soul because I did. I don't go in to preach to try to kill anybody 
or beat anybody up. That's not what I mean by authentic. My people God. that have been around me long, I've been, I've been around for 69 years and I'm going to continue to be who I am. I can't be soft touch, love you, love you, love you, haha, and watch you die. Ooh. Come on. Right? Yeah. I'm not going to watch you. I, I, I tell everyone that I have a, a, a alcohol, cotton, and tweezers ministry now. Mm. I'm going to tell you what God said. And if you don't listen, I'm going to be standing across the street waiting when you get up off the glass to help you pick it out. I'm not going to say I told you. <laughs> I've done my job. I'm a witness. I'm a, my job is to preach. It's your job to listen. Yes. Right. It's yeah. for us to have a conversation. So if you don't like what I said, cool. Mm. And so when we're standing at the outside and people said, you stepped on my toes. I didn't know what your toes were. But if the word convicted you, that's on you. That's not on me. Okay, that's that's not on me. I just did what I was supposed to do. I didn't know you, as my grandmother said, from Adam's cat. And if I stepped on your toes, that's what happened. But baby, I didn't I didn't set out to do that. That's your stuff that God's word is now. God's word is now working with you. And sometimes we don't understand what we have preached or what we have said for two or three weeks later. Yeah. And then you go, oh, and sometimes people hear us say something we didn't say. Mm, Yes. That's the spirit. Yes. Not the one we pretend we have at the beginning of the sermon. Not the one sometimes we rehearse at the end of the sermon when there's no need for all that noise because sometimes you just got to let people set with the word and not try to shout them to glory. But but sometimes people hear you say something that wasn't you, that was the spirit interpreting what you said for them. Mm-hmm. So you can't argue that back. So you're being authentic, but people know when you're faking. That's all I mean. They know when you fake. They know mm-hmm. when you fake. As sure as they know when you put on a lace front and you didn't put it correctly and you can still see some of the stuff people know when you're faking it I don't care how long your hair is somebody's going to show up not a bad weave not a bad weave we have about two wonderful minutes left with you and wow this time has just gone too quick for me on today what are what are some parting things that you can say uh, to this viewing audience what you just said now I didn't Lord have mercy. But yes, um, what are some important <laughs> things that you can you can say um, to to this audience to to carry them on to encourage some folks, right. who preachers who've been on the on the fence, didn't know what to do, didn't know how to be themselves. Right. What, what what would you share with them? Um, when you are by yourself and in your personal devotional time with God, ask God who you are. Mm. Try to remember who God made you to be. Ask yourself why you're trying so hard to be someone else. And what is it that you hate in yourself mm. that you will not let God reshape into a vessel that God wants you to be? Mm. Ask what are the consequences for being yourself. And if you're able to stand by what you speak, My God. if you cannot stand up to what God has told you to say, then don't say it. Mm. But if you understand mm. that God is the one, we can we talk about a hedge around us. But if we always listen to these external voices say, don't do it, don't do it, they won't like yeah. you. And that voice is louder than God's voice in your ear, then you should probably sit down and not preach for a while. Wow. If you get back in good relationship with God because yeah. I think it says you have to love God's self and others. 
But if you don't love God and you're more, you're you're on the other parties and not what God is telling you, you're in a lot of trouble. So be yourself, be authentically yourself, be genuine. Don't imitate anybody else. Don't try to be a clone. And when you look at yourself in the morning, I hope you recognize who you are. Wow. I love it. Wow. I love it. Wow. 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 Thank you, Dr. Fry Brown, for being Thank with you. us on today. You all hit those heart buttons. And I know if you're like me, you definitely want her to be able to come back and join with us in the future. Put that in that chat box. She can see it. She can see. Yes. She can see. Read you all. Say, come back, come back, come back. But if you've been blessed. And Dr. Fry Brown, thank you so very much for being yes. with us on today. You have blessed my soul. And I know that you have blessed my sister's soul. Thank yeah. you. So, yes, yes, thank yes, you. Yes, Love yes. you, David. Hold on just and a so, second. All right. And so, um, the Lord says the same. And next Tuesday, three o'clock, join us again for Timely Wisdom. Thank you so very much for being with us on today.